All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Uh, I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from New York City on this, the 14th day of April 2020. Um, I do like to remind you I'm the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Um, and you can sign up for that letter by going to miningstocks.com. I'd also like to encourage you uh, or invite you to follow me on Twitter, jtaylormedia, J-A-Y Taylor Media uh, is my Twitter handle. I'd also like to remind you um, of Chen Lin's letter, What is Chen Buying, What is Chen Selling? And uh, you can uh, sign up for Chen's letter by going to chenpicks.com. And Michael Oliver, who will be with me in just a second or two, uh, it's olivermsa.com uh, to follow Michael Oliver and to sign up for his excellent service. I do want to thank all of you for listening to this show, making one of the more uh, one of the more attractive, uh, one of the more listened to shows, I should say, on the Voice America Business Channel. I think it's one of the more attractive ones, uh, but obviously a lot of other people do too because we have a lot of listeners. Um, and uh, so thank you for, for listening every week. Um, also like to invite you to send your comments uh, along to questions for Taylor at gmail.com. Questions at number four, Taylor at gmail.com. Also, our sponsors, which have made this show now for more than 11 years possible, our sponsors this week are in resources Eli Gold Royalties, Great Bear Resources, Hannon Metals, Irving Resources, Noble Resources, and Sitka Gold Corp. I've titled today's show, What is the Future of the Dollar System and Gold? Ronald Peter Storfoli and Michael Oliver return. Ewan Downing, the president and CEO of Premier Gold Mines, visits for the first time. Alistair McLeod has warned that the Fed, with its modern monetary theory, which isn't all that modern, actually, but reminiscent more of the South Sea bubble orchestrated by John Law 100 years ago, that that system is in the process of hyperinflating the dollar out of existence. The obvious substitutes for a rapidly depreciating currency is, of course, gold. Few people are better able to give us a sense of what is transpiring in the gold markets during this still dollar-centric global monetary system than Ronald Storfoli. Uh, he'll be with me, as I mentioned, he'll be with me in the second half of today's show to talk about the impact of the most recent black swan to pay us a visit pay actually all of humankind a visit, and I think you can't afford to miss what Ronnie has to say, his insights about this global economic shutdown, what that might mean for the markets, all of the markets that we are dependent on and that we invest in. 
Ronnie is definitely recognized internationally for his expertise uh, in the world of gold, uh, which in the midst of the COVID-19 havoc is aggressively on the rise. And for those of you who may not be familiar with my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, most of the stocks that I cover are those of those companies that are engaged in exploration and development of gold and silver deposits rather than gold producers. And since it is the producers that are the first to rise dramatically in a gold bull market, I have personally allocated a considerable portion of my portfolio in GDX while I wait for the juniors to start their move. And believe me, I expect all of the sponsors on this show which are covered in my newsletter and which I own personally, to rise dramatically, even more so on percentage terms than the big boys. Um, and this, uh, I think, once this, once this really, once this bull market really gets underway, that's usually what happens. The juniors, the little guys that are actually finding the new gold deposits, are the ones that make the biggest percentage moves. And I expect uh, we're going to see some humdingers coming our way now with uh, with the sponsors of this show and and others as well. But there is a company on my list that is a producer and also has some very exciting exploration projects that place it in the best of both worlds. And I'm speaking about Premier Gold Mines, headed by Ewan Downing, uh, who, as I said, will be with me right after the uh, first commercial break. Uh, It is a company that has, uh, as I say, it is a producer and it has some really great exploration plays and some advanced stage projects that are very near uh, production in the feasibility stage. So, a very interesting and I think very, very undervalued company, Premier Gold Mines. And we'll be speaking to you and Downing right after the first commercial break. But right now, I'm really pleased to tell you that Michael Oliver is back with me again. It's OliverMSA.com, OliverMSA.com. Go there to learn more about Michael Oliver's letter. Uh, thanks for joining me, Michael. Hi, Jay. Good to be back. Fun time. It's really, yeah, it's really good to have you. I, I really miss not having you every week, but at least we get you every other week, and that's good. Uh, well, we have to start out with the obvious question, gold. It's, uh, for the longest time, you've been talking about $1,700 gold as being a likely resting point or a resistance area. Now that we're in the 1700s, what, what are your thoughts? Well, we actually uh, go back a month or so. You can see uh, the spot futures high was 1698 I believe. We had a sell-off. Then the last high in March was above 1700 had another sell-off, sharp one then. It was uh, three days of hell on the downside. Uh, yeah. Spooked most people out of their positions, probably. Cleaned the market up, certainly cleaned up the gold mining sector, and then we rocketed to the highs. And, in fact, uh, the, the most important technical thing is not the fact that gold's well over 1700 now. It's got the 1775 today, uh, active, the, the front-month future, the April contract, uh, is what GDX did today. <clears throat> GDX has been capped off price-wise. Remember, this is an ETF that was trading in the mid-60s back in uh-huh. 2011 at the bull market peak. It dropped to a low of $12.40, $12.40 in the bear market that ended in 2015-16. Okay. But in the process of coming down, there were some rallies in 2013. If you recall, it was in the spring of 2013, gold really crashed, and it crashed the GDX as well. There was a rally high in mid-2013 from uh, in the teens up to 31, and mm-hmm. it failed there. Okay. Then you went mm-hmm. back down, made your low, your actual bear low, to late 2015, early 16, at $12.40. Rallied again in mid-2016, back up to 31. Mm-hmm. Then sold off again, hard, 
and then drifted lower into 2018, never getting back to the low, again, the $12.40, but getting, you know, down below 20, well below 20, down to about 18 or change. Then you came back up again last summer, and you went to 31. Mm-hmm. And for months, several months up there, about four or five months, you clustered in the 29, 30, 31 level. Unlike the two prior highs in the 2013 rally and 2016 rally, when they kissed 31, they were whacked off the high, way off the high. They didn't cluster there. We clustered there. In other words, like a fist of action, pressing at the 30, 31 level. But then came the March sell-off, and everybody thought, oh, well, it's all over. We failed again. Got down to $16.10, and then we exploded. We traded yeah. 32 today. We took out seven years to the, to the week of price highs on GDX. So GDX is now done uh, with this week's action and the, and the cleansing that it had in mid-March, which no, no doubt stopped out any week logs and spooked everybody. Uh, then turned around and exploded through the highs. So I, I think the GDX is now echoing what Gold said last summer when it went up through the mid-1300s, which was its comparable base. So the miners are now in sync with Gold in terms of even the price charts. And I think that's good. Now, I agree with what you said about the juniors. Uh, we ran a report on them the other day. And, yes, they are lagging the uh, majors right now. But uh, I fully agree that when, when the public interest and the, uh, the larger fund interest gets into this minor sector, the gold mining mm-hmm. sector, uh, that, that that end of the market is going to have the greater percent move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sure seems like it. I'm looking at GDX right now. It's actually uh, off a lot today, down 67 cents. Uh, it after it had hit 32, it's really getting whacked again. It seems to a great extent. But you think it's sort of an arm wrestling area here yeah. that we're going to see probably break through 32 sometime soon? Do you no, think? No, I think the 32 trade was important. I think it was a sign that uh, okay, that ceiling's gone. And yeah, there's some there's doubters. There've been doubters for the, since the, the, uh, that secondary low in gold. It was down around 11:40 in uh, summer of 2018. We've gone from. Uh, there to 1775, and there have been so many points along the way that the doubters have said, see, it's no good, and it sold off. And it came back and made a new high. It sold off again. Uh, our suspicion is, which you should be looking at now, is not the day-to-day of gold or the gold miners, the banks. Mm-hmm. Okay. The one sector, yeah. Yeah, with, with just about yeah, with just about three minutes, Michael. Let us let us yeah. know what your what are your thoughts about banks, and then if you can squeeze in a quick comment, oh, yeah. uh, perhaps on the soft commodities. Sure, uh, the bank sector is the weakest sector out there. It's it, like today, even it's down a couple percent. S and P's up a couple. I mean, it's like it, it's in a different world, and yet we're reassured by every analyst on the TV uh, financial channels that no, there's no problem this time around. The banks are in great shape coming into yeah. this uh, decline, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we'd watch the banks. Okay, now on the other commodity end of the spectrum is the, the food commodities, particularly the grains. They have been, they've ceased to go down. They ceased to go down years ago. They've been going sideways for about five years. So they're really not in a bear market. They're in a sideways market. We're particularly keen about beans and corn uh, probably making a low real soon, like uh, within a week or so, and an upturn that could be quite powerful. Uh, We're into the planting season, by the way, uh, starting now in April for corn and beans. So some of the fundamentals could start to come into play here. We have some suspicions about the planting intentions, uh, numbers that were stated a few weeks ago that they won't actually bear fruit. But uh, as far as the technicals go, we're watching corn and soybeans for an upturn because we think it could be quite powerful. 
the base is very, very wide on the grains. So when you come up out of here, it should be something that lasts for a couple years and is quite strong. Mm-hmm. All right. So and um, I, I think another have another minute yet, Michael. What about uh, the equity markets in general? I mean, I a lot of people are feeling pretty we, good today. The Dow is up 500 points. Oh, sure. Points. Everything's going to be good when, the, when we've overcome the virus thing and so forth, and that's topped out and so forth, and, and I'm sure they'll, they'll tout that. Uh, I have a bet here. There's certain concepts that, that are going to occur, terms that are going to be used in the next year or so that we're not thinking of right now. Secession's one of them. I think there's some counties in certain states that are interested in separating from the states. And these are political and economic reasons. In other words, things we haven't thought about. Another mm-hmm. one I'm thinking about is this. Uh, first of all, why are the banks under such pressure? Uh, uh, I, I strongly suspect that the people who, the, we only had 60-some-odd percent of renters pay their rent this month. Uh-huh. Okay? Now, uh, and car loans are going delinquent like crazy. These banks got problems there, but that's also reflective of people who made decent money in 2019 in their jobs and now suddenly are going to have to pay taxes on it. The fact that they were delayed three months till July is not going to better their situation. I'm going to make a bet that there's a stat, and I'm trying to look for the source of it, on failures to file. And I'm going to bet in July that the, fa- the number of failures to file goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. And at that point, then they have a major problem with the tax system. Are you going to go after these people mm-hmm. who, you know, probably only marginally could have paid their taxes had they paid in April, if, if then. But out to July, they're going to be worse off than they are now. Yeah, so my sure. bet is you're going to have a failure to file, and you're going to have a tax situation where it wouldn't surprise me in a year you don't have uh, income tax anymore, that the government simply prints the money. Oh, my and goodness. For reasons of massive political pressure, they can't go after these people. There's too many of them. It's going to be an interesting number in July. It's going to, it is an interesting world. Uh, it is a very interesting environment that we're in. And I think the only question you can ask if your scenario comes true is, have you got gold? Yes. I can't think of anything. I, I can't imagine of any earthly thing that's going to be more important. Well, I can. Food. Uh, yeah. yes. You know, and, and uh, that's why your comments on commodities, I think, are very important. We'll probably want to ask you more about that when we have you on again. Thanks so much for being with us again, Michael, and it's uh, always good. Always good to have you. Well, folks, uh, don't go away because uh, right after the break, Ewan Downing will be with me. He's the president and CEO of Premier Gold Mines. This is a producer I think you should pay a lot of attention to. It is in production, but more than that, it has some fantastic exploration projects that it shares with the likes of Barrick Gold and Newmont Mining. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Ewan Downing. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Ewan Downing. He is the president and CEO of Premier Gold Mines. Um, it's a position that he's held since the company's inception in 2006. He has been working in the mineral exploration and mining industry for more than 25 years. He was the founder of Premier's predecessor, Wolfton Resources, Inc., and has uh, participated in several gold and base metals discoveries. He's uh, had awards many different awards. Uh, in in um, 2003, he was a recipient of the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada's Bill Dennis Prospector of the Year Award and, and several exploration and development acknowledgments from the Northwestern Ontario Prospector Association. So, uh, needless to say, Ewan Downing is very well known within the Canadian mining circles, and I'm really pleased to have him on the show with us today. Thanks for joining me today, Ewan. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me on. Uh, pleasure. It's really great to have you. I should uh, just tell our listeners that Premier Gold Mines trades in Toronto under the symbol PG, and you can buy it down here in the States, as I have under the symbol PIRGF. Uh, when I looked this morning, it was trading about US dollar uh, twenty nine, giving it a market cap of around $306 million in US money. Uh, you and your company recently made some news when you offered to, to buy out your 50% joint venture partner on the Greenstone Project in Ontario. Your joint venture partner is Centera Gold. Uh, even though Centera spoke about the Greenstone Project as if it was not a high-priority project in their portfolio, uh, it refused to accept your offer, and uh, I thought that was a little bit curious. You, you had a feasibility study carried out in 2016, I believe, uh, the economics yeah. were based on $1,250 gold. Now that we're at $1,700 and the uh, oil price is, is quite low compared to where it was uh, it back then, I'm guessing the economics probably look a bit better now. Or what, are, what are your thoughts about Greenstone at this point in time, and where does it stand in terms of bringing it on to production? I mean, you're, it is advanced. You've done a, free, a feasibility study. Where does it stand now? Yeah, thanks, Jay. Um, yeah, Greenstone, uh, the, the primary, the Greenstone Gold Mine Project is a fairly large property package, and it, it's host to multiple deposits. It's not just Hard Rock, and Hard Rock is the primary pro- project within Greenstone Gold Mines. Uh, as you said, we did complete a feasibility study in 2016, and since then, uh, funded by our partner, Sentara, we completed three years of uh, additional permitting and economic work in order to get to the point where we have a new resource that came out earlier this year and what was intended to be a new feasibility study. Now, um, that's a bit of a point of contention that I can't really discuss, but uh, nevertheless, it's, it, it's a project that contains 7.1 million ounces measured and indicated, 3.9 million inferred, so 11 million ounce overall resource between open pit and underground. Uh, it's per- permitted. It's a, it's been approved by the federal and provincial governments. So the provincial government of Ontario, federal government of Canada, all Aboriginal communities have signed impact and benefit agreements. So it's essentially a, a shovel-ready project. Um, very few 
of this scale are permitted in, in, in the world, never mind mm-hmm. North America. And mm-hmm. it sits right on the highway. So it, the mm. infrastructure, it's blessed with infrastructure. So it's, for us, it's, it's a real cornerstone project for our company, and we're, we're hoping it becomes the same for our partner. Yeah, it's wonder. Uh, I mean, I have to wonder why you offered them to buy them out for two hundred and five million. I think that was in U.S. money, right? And and they refused. Um, what do you think's going on? Um, don't really speak to what I I, I think's going on. It could be could be several several things. Uh, for us, we we were looking forward to releasing a new feasibility study late in the year. Um, our partner uh, is the funding partner uh, currently, mm-hmm. and what we felt was if they genuinely felt there was any issues with the project, then rather than um, initiate a lawsuit like they had, perhaps they'd be willing to sell their interest, and they refused to accept our offer or, or counteroffer, so I think that really speaks to the fact that uh, our partner does like the project a lot. Um, Unlike maybe what some of the market perception was lately, and and now we hope we can we can get together with them and work towards a, a resolution that works for both parties to to advance the project. Especially as you mentioned, seventeen hundred dollar gold. Our our feasibility study was done at twelve fifty. Fuel prices are well down, and you could do some pretty creative hedging programs that I think would really benefit the project for many years. Well, I mean, Jim, just looking at you offered them two hundred and five million U.S. Uh, your your market cap is, I, I think, I just said it's about three hundred and six million U.S. So, and that's just one of pro- one of one of many projects that you have, and, and probably uh, perhaps the one, I guess, it is the one, obviously, with the most ounces of gold on it. But but to put it in perspective, uh, relative to your market cap, this is a very a very significant asset, and. Gee, I mean, I just don't think the market's paying a lot of attention to it right now, or you wouldn't be priced where you are. But uh, I sure hope you can get that moving forward. Uh, but but let's yeah, talk I about agree. it. If you factor yeah. in our cash, um, we we just completed an additional uh, roughly uh, $40, 50000000 million in cash injections. So our company has a very strong balance sheet. When you combine that with Hard Rock being a non-operating com- project that the offer to purchase our partner was greater than our enterprise value. I think it really speaks to the fact that it is an underrated asset within our portfolio, and hopefully the the market will will start to re-recognize value for it. Um, we, we do, as you mentioned, have uh, two operating assets, one mm-hmm. in Nevada and one in Mexico, and we have a, 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 a slew of other projects that are either permitted or near-permitted for development. So um, Hard Rock, the one that uh, we've been speaking about, is is our flagship asset, but it's just one of several. No, indeed, and exciting uh, too. Some of them, and I, let's first of all, before we get to a couple, of what I one of my favorite is your Arturo South Arturo project. Uh, but before we get to that, in Mexico, I guess the Mexican government, because of COVID nineteen, uh, is mandating mining companies shut down or or put their projects on hold for now is that it and and any idea of when they might allow you to get back up and running uh, right now what the, the guide guideline we've been given is that shut down for the the month of April we're hoping that uh, by the end of April they're starting to allow companies to start to 
consider what necessary actions are needed to restart and hopefully initiate those. But um, right now we are uh, all, I think all companies who have been affected by this are in discussions with the government about when we should be able to restart. Um, but when we do restart, it, it gives us a bit of an opportunity to to recheck the asset. There's a few things I think we need to do on the on the development front and some of those initiatives we should do before we start full-time mining that some initiatives I think will help the mine uh, with greater profitability going forward. Mm-hmm. All right, so the other uh, producer then is at South, South Arturo, uh, and that's a project that you have a 40% interest in, but your 60% partners is, I think, Nevada Gold Mines, which is a, a joint venture between Newmont and Barrick. And I can't imagine you and that those two companies would be fooling around for something small, that they would be involved or interested in 60% of something that's not pretty significant. What can you tell us about that project? And as I understand, it, there's about three different stages to it. Uh, tell, talk to us about, about uh, South Arturo. South Arturo is lo- located on the Carlin trend. It's in the North Carlin, uh, immediately uh, beside what used to be Barracks Gold Strike Mine. Uh, mm-hmm. Through the deal that was done last year, the entire region now is owned by and operated by Nevada Gold Mines, as you said, the partnership between Barrick and Newmont. And that left our joint venture is the last piece of that North, North Carlin that isn't 100% owned by the joint venture. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, it offers some of the best upside opportunity that I think exists in our company. Um, the project right now producing from a high-grade underground mine, uh, typically on a daily basis we're producing between sort of 8 and 11 grams per ton, so it's high-grade, wow. high marks. Mm-hmm. Not a large underground mine, but it is wide open for expansion. We started the construction of what we call the Phase 1 open pit last year, and we are permitted uh, to build a heat leach project. Mm-hmm. And instead of building the heat leach project and stripping the pit, we've been stockpiling material. And I, I think we objected a, a somewhat to that because Premier doesn't really have a balance sheet to, to build a stockpile. So our view is we should build the heat leach and then strip the pit. And so mm-hmm. we've stopped stripping for now and we're working out a plan with our partners. But the reconciliation of heat leach material while we were stripping in 2019 was plus 90%. So almost twice as much as was modeled and mm. just points a need for more drilling. The phase three project, which is supposed to be the next pit after phase one, the grade reconciliation in 19 was plus 72%. Mm. So significantly higher grade material was drilled off in 19 than was modeled. And it may actually be the priority project to be built next. And, uh, so right now we're we're in discussions with uh, Nevada Gold Mines as to what the best path forward is for the other phases. El Nino will continue production, but the other phases, and we're hoping to come to a resolution here. Uh, things have been delayed a bit because of the COVID crisis, but we're hoping to come to a resolution on what's going to be the longer-term plan that we can discuss with the market uh, very soon, and we think the potential to define a multi-multi-million ounce deposit downtown and right in the heart of one of the world's most prolific gold districts exists here, and that's why 
it is being mined despite the behemoth that was built by Nevada gold mines. Mm-hmm. Indeed, and uh, the El Nino uh, underground mine was, I guess, underneath a, a previous open pit, right? Yeah, it was beneath the Phase Two pit that we depleted yeah. in 2017. Uh-huh. The average grade mined out of that pit was near five grams, and wow. not like the more typical point five grams. It was five grams, and wow. so it generated a, a large amount of cash for our company. With that, we constructed the the phase uh, or the underground mine, and we started construction of Phase One with the profits generated, but at very very high grade mineralization in a well-known district that arguably is the most productive gold uh, area in the world currently. For sure. And I'm just wondering, uh, the under the other two pits, is it possible there's some high-grade feeder zones down there as well? Yeah, and uh, to why the Phase 3 pit is maybe moving ahead, uh, mm-hmm. as, you, as you know, we mined Phase 2 first. Phase 1 is in construction, and Phase 3 was supposed to be next. But uh, whole uh, four of last year's program at the phase three pit below the pit design we intersected 112.8 meters of nearly 7.3 grams gold um, so yeah. huge widths great grades and demonstrates that that deposit is likely significantly larger than we'd previously modeled and again speaks to the need for additional drilling and uh, the, just the potential for this area to, to give us years and years of future production. So it's a, it's a very core asset to, to me as, uh, as I look at our portfolio, even though we only own 40% of the project. Mm, for sure. It's 40% of something that's likely to be very, very large, I would think, and uh, very exciting for sure. And if the markets can start to see the potential here, I can't imagine uh, the, your shares won't react to that. Uh, just with about a minute and a half left here, or so you and you also have a very exciting exploration project at Red Lake. Talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, in Red Lake, we have a hundred percent ownership of the Hasaga project. In Hasaga, we have now defined uh, in the indicated category uh, well over a million ounces, uh, about seven hundred thousand ounces, and in inferred in open pit resources. And these open pit style mineralization were delineated on strike from the Howie Hasaga mine. And Red Lake is known for narrow high-grade mineralization, but the, the first mine in the Red Lake camp, before the ones that are operating today, was, was the Howie Hasaga operation. And it produced 640,000 ounces up until 1952 at an average grade of about four grams per ton, but unlike today's mine, was a bulk underground mine. Mm-hmm. And that deposit was open at depth, and we own 100%, and we're now drilling off the depth extension. And our top hole drilled in 2018 was 54 meters of 10.9 grams per ton, and we had other intercepts of 50 meters of 9.2 and 67 meters of four grams. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a very big zone that is open for expansion where we'll be drilling it out this year and at the end of this year's program we hope to um, complement the open pit resource with an underground resource that extends the old mine hopefully hundreds of meters down plunge and will be become what we hope is the the best prospect to be developed in the entire Red Lake camp. Wow. Interesting, because there's another one that I have my eyes on that's uh, getting a lot of 
attention. That's great bear. But uh, anyway, uh, that's saying something. That's for sure. Uh, really exciting, you and um, and and you're pretty well funded. You said how much money you have in the till, and I guess a lot of that has to go to keep your 40% interest alive and to do these other exploration projects. But how much do you have in the till, and and how far will that uh, take you? Uh, we ended 2000 and uh, <clears throat> sorry, we ended 2019 with a treasury of over 58 million. Mm-hmm. Um, that's 58 million U.S. And since then, uh-huh. we completed a 38 million dollar public offering and a 15.5 million gold prepay. So an additional 50 million cash. Um, so we're we're very well funded. And uh, if there were a longer delay in Mexico, uh, we we wouldn't expect our balance sheet to be pressured. Uh, and we we do have our Nevada mine is still working and generating cash, so we're mm-hmm. we're in good shape for the future. All right, excellent. Well, thank you very much, you. And it is an exciting story. It's one I felt our listeners needed to know about. So I want to thank you very much for taking the time to share that with us. And uh, we'll look to keep up with your story going forward. Thank you so much. All righty, okay, folks. Thank so- you very much. All right, we do have to go to break now. Uh, don't go away, though, because Ronald Peter Storfoli will be with us. And, um, well, he should have some very interesting things to say about gold, given the current environment. So don't go away. We'll be right back with, uh, with Mr. Storfoli. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQX, is a gold exploration company focused on their 23-kilometer, wholly-owned Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. Having recently made multiple high-grade gold discoveries, GBR is fully funded to complete a very active 200,000-meter drill program through to the year 2021. Stay up to date on what has been considered one of the best performing exploration stocks in the last two years by visiting greatbearresources.ca. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really pleased to have with me Ronald Peter Storfoli. He's uh, with us now for the second time. I believe we've had him uh, just one other time, but it's really great to have him. He's uh, very well known for his work in gold. He is the managing partner and fund manager at Incrementum AG, which is based in Liechtenstein. I think uh, uh, Ronald, though, resides uh, in Austria, and uh, so I'm really pleased to have him with us today. Thanks for joining me, Ronald. Thank you, Jay. Always good to be here. It's always good to have you. And um, I, I want to ask you, I, I guess, uh, before we go any further, how people can follow what you're doing. I, I know you're so well known for your In Gold We Trust report that comes out annually. 
uh, if people want to track what you're doing, what's the best way? Um, well, I'm quite active on Twitter. My handle is uh, Ron Stoeferle. Um, so I, you know, I just tweet out random thoughts, charts, um, questions. So I'm pretty active there. Um, then, of course, you can have a look at our webpage, incrementum.li, where mm -hmm. we publish all our material, all our research. You can find information about our um, products in the wealth management and in the fund space. And then, of course, there is our webpage that is specifically dedicated to the In Gold We Trust report. It's mm -hmm. ingoldwetrust.report. And you can download all 13 previous um, editions of the report there, but also the new one that will come out on 27th of May. Oh, okay. Very soon then. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, before we go get into today's topic, uh, which is uh, uh, what is the future of the dollar system in gold? I want to get your thoughts on that. But before we get to that, how are things in Austria? Are you, is it hard hit? Is it one of the, I don't know. I haven't followed it real closely, but, and you and your family, everybody okay as far as your personal friends and family goes? Yeah, actually, uh, uh, all is all is okay over here. Thank God. Um, it is, of course, demanding. Um, you know, both from a personal point of view as a family father, um, but also, of course, from a business point of view, because there are so many unknowns. It is very demanding, but also for me, it's a, it's a, it's a big challenge, and I actually enjoy it. You know, navigating through the markets, um, communicating with our clients. So. The situation over here is, 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 is getting better. I think Austria managed it quite well, especially compared to our southern neighbor, Italy. Yeah. I think that was the biggest, the big warning and, and our politicians, I mean, they're, they're often uh, blamed and criticized, but I think they, they acted quite well. So, so actually now after Easter, um, everything is kind of uh, loosening up now. Um, and, and so far there have been roughly, I think, 300 um, um, death cases from the coronavirus. So, so I think we, we, we managed it quite well over here. Okay, um, so uh, so are the chances of going back to work? Are the, is your government uh, making plans for that? Um, kind of, yeah, but 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 schools will start only in mid May, and uh, most of us are working from home now, uh, which is not a big problem uh, for for. for for me, um, but but still, I I think that you know that the big problem regarding Corona is you know now everything seems to be stabilizing and getting better, but um, w w when it comes to to you know the actions taken, I I listen to 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 government officials from Singapore quite a lot, and they just said that the global health system is only as strong as its weakest link. So, um, therefore, I think it, it would be naive to think that, that everything is going to be fine in a couple of weeks. Yeah. We will have to expect um, um, actions a bit similar to 9-11. To I, I think it will okay. uh, definitely change our world, the, the way that we do business, the way that we travel. Um, there are positive consequences, but also lots of negative consequences, of course, for our economies. I mean... Um, I always said that after the Corona crisis, the debt crisis um, will will reappear, and this is definitely a big big concern uh, for everybody now. Yeah, absolutely. The economic fallout from all of this, of course, 
Um, yeah, and before we get into to those issues, uh, one other thing I'd like to ask you about. We've seen this big disparity between the spot price and the futures prices in gold. Uh, this morning, for example, I was looking at the April futures at seventeen seventy-five, about a forty-five dollar higher price than the spot. What do you make of that? Well, I, I think it's it's mostly due to logistics. Um, talking to some 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 people from from the physical side, big traders, uh, institutional investors, and and other market analysts that I respect, it, it seems that the the major problem at the moment is really logistics, um, moving the gold internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, people tell me that in Asia, for example, there's there's a huge amount of, of, of gold because actually gold demand, in, in especially in China, is very, very weak. Um, but it's really hard to ship that over to London, to Zurich or to, to, to New York. Um, on the other hand, in Switzerland, in Ticino, which is the, um, the, the Italian-speaking part of Switzerland, the biggest refineries uh, are shut down and they are responsible for roughly 60% of all investment products. So actually, there's a huge amount of, of big 400-ounce uh, bars, but it's almost impossible um, to 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 smelt them and to, to refine them and to make bigger, uh, smaller, more retail um, 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 products out of it. Um, so I think it is mostly due to logistics, um, and we should not forget. Normally, those price disparities uh, discrepancies they are basically used by by arbitrageurs. Uh, sure. But but at the moment, it seems that many market makers, for example, they are by law not allowed to work from home. So uh-huh. actually, lots of the you know l- let's say the um, the technical setup when it comes to to managing markets and to market making, it just doesn't work. So this arbitrage doesn't work either. Mm-hmm. And I think this is also one of the explanations that I have for mm-hmm. for those price discrepancies. All right. So you don't buy the idea of some of the, some of the conspiracy folks that are suggesting that uh, that what's really going on here is a paper game, and the people that are that that the um, uh, that the exchanges uh, simply don't have enough gold. It's just a matter of logistics. That if they can't if they can't uh, uh, you know pass along the physicals when the contracts expire, it's not that there's not enough gold in the world. It's just that it's just as this physical handicap that we're that's related to COVID nineteen. Well, I would say that the the, the answer is, is 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 often often easier than than many of the proposed um, 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 solutions. So so yeah. from my point of view, the 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 inventories, for example, yeah. are, are pretty high at the moment, and mm-hmm. and 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 therefore I think it's 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 really not Logistics. the fact that there's yeah that there's a lack of gold, but we don't have the gold at the right place and in mm-hmm. the right dimensions and the right size. I think. This this is primarily the problem that we're seeing. All right. Well, okay. Let's uh, switching topics here. Um, you passed along a quote to me from Nassim Tlaib, uh, our Black Swan guy, and he said, and I quote: "What you see is likely to be less Black Swanish than what you do not see." End of quote. What do you think he meant by that? Well, uh, many people say that that uh, the whole Corona crisis is a black swan, but but from my point of view, we might be using the wrong animal 
metaphor to describe uh -huh. the whole crisis. So um, actually what, what we are seeing is the black swan, uh, which was coined by, by Nassim Taleb in 2001, um, it is applied to, to outliers like the 9-11 attacks. But the, the, the coronavirus was first reported by, by Chinese authorities to the to World Health Organization. Um, and since then, it is always used as a, as a, as a, as a black swan event. Mm -hmm. But Taleb just said there is no excuse for governments not to be prepared for something like this. Actually, Taleb, he was um, um, advising the, the, the government in Singapore, and they have been praised for their defensive and precautionary actions mm -hmm. against COVID-19 because everybody said at some point we will see such a pandemic mm -hmm. um, because, you know, all of the business traveling a much more globalized world and so on. So from my point of view, the, the right description would be a so-called gray rhino. This describes a highly probable but neglected threat with an uh -huh. enormous impact. So. Uh -huh. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's important to say that what's going on at the moment, this is not the black swan, but the government actions, this is actually the black swan, the central bank intervention, this is a black swan. And, you know, Black, for, uh, Jay, for, for, for me, it's important, you know, I'm not only from Austria, but I'm also the, uh, uh, a keen follower of the, of the so-called Austrian School of Economics. Yes, yes. And, you know, there are many things that are seen, but it's more interesting to see and to, to analyze the things that are not seen. It should not be forgotten, for example, that uh, the suicide rate in the Great Depression um, was estimated to, 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 that it surged to 2%. So I think we should keep that in mind with all the measures that are taken at the moment. I think we will see much more people suffering from the economic consequences, from the fall, whole fallout, from the depression, then from the, um, from the disease, from the virus itself. And mm -hmm. this is something that concerns me very, very much at the moment. Yeah, indeed. The uh, repercussions of the, of the depression. Um, I, I, I've heard the word, uh, the D word used for the first time, Ronald. And, uh, you know, it's always been one of those things that mainstream people never talked about. The D word, depression. It's always a recession. Yeah. Uh, so we have. So 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 what you're saying is the Fed is a black swan. What's happening? The Fed. The Fed's operation. So what they're going to do is try to print money um, to fix this problem. It it doesn't quite work, does it? <laughs> we, we we'll see. But at at the at the beginning. Um, it, it seemed that, you know, it, it felt a bit like, you know, the Federal Reserve um, was bringing a knife to a gunfight. So, so when, when, when Powell actually um, did this emergency rate cut on a Sunday uh, and he lowered rates by 100 basis points, basically mm -hmm. to zero, and the Fed, uh, the, the, the S&P futures were down. Yes. Were, were down, limit down. I said, okay, this is it. The emperor has no clothes. Since then, we have seen so many, so many measures that were taken. We've seen the CPFF, commercial paper funding facility, um, PMCCF, TALF, SMCCF. You know, Jay, the more acronyms used, the worse the crisis. So yeah. we're actually, we, we, we're actually seeing unlimited QE just last week. The Fed um, uh, printed 550 billion U.S. dollars, 
just to compare that, that's five times annual gold production or 4.5 times the entire market cap of, of, of Bitcoin. But it's not only unprecedented monetary stimulus, it is also unprecedented fiscal stimulus. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that fiscal policy and monetary policy are much more aligned this time. They are much more aggressive. There's a much closer cooperation between central banks and politicians. So from my point of view, um, the, the, the consequences will be um, um, quite significant. We, we, we're seeing that the gold price uh, is hitting all-time highs in basically every currency. Uh, it will hit new all-time highs in US dollar terms probably uh, in the next couple of weeks. So from my point of view, we, it, it's just a huge experiment uh, that we're all part of. And honestly, I've got no idea if it's gonna work out this time, but of course, um, it is compared to 2008-2009, you know, the, the GFC looks like a kindergarten crisis now because yeah. now this is really a demand shock, it is a supply shock, we had an oil shock, we had a dollar shock, it is a wealth shock and actually, um, you know, central bankers, they are, they are running out of tools, so, so they really have to uh, get the bazookas out and, and, and go all in. And uh, so far, markets are cheering, but I think this is just a dead cat bounce. You just have to think so, because uh, once the reality of this economic demise starts to register, and once these companies start to show, I would guess, a lot of the sectors anyway, massive losses in their first quarter report uh, reports, um, at the same time, I think a lot of the gold mining companies should do fairly well, although COVID-19 is going to shut things down and, and deter them more perhaps in the second quarter than the first. But what are your thoughts about the gold mining shares? And then I'd like to ask you, do you think, what about the dollar? Can the dollar survive as the world's reserve currency after this crisis? Well, when it comes to the miners, I, I think if, if we have a look at, at the charts of Newmont or, or, or Barrick and um, follow the, the volume that is traded in, in these two stocks. I mean, it's, it's obvious that there's really big, mark, big money coming in. So mm -hmm. it seems that generalists are now moving into the gold mining space. And of course, if they start allocating capital, they start with the big names and then yes. they go down to the, to the uh, smaller, smaller capitalizations. Um, I think that, you know, um, the, the, the earnings outlook for the, for the gold sector this year is fantastic, while for the rest, for basically every other sector, it's, it's extremely, uh, let's say, blurry. Nobody really knows how, how, how business for the airline industry, for restaurants, for technology companies will develop. But what we know is that for the mining space, first of all, the gold prices are significantly higher than, than last year. Oil prices are significantly lower and they are the biggest cost driver. And we know that the whole sector is extremely underowned. So I think that the mining space will be in the spotlight again. We always said that, that we had, uh, Schumpeter would have said, uh, creative destruction happening yeah. in the market. So actually, I think uh, this, is, this is really a, a sweet spot for the mining space at the moment. Right. And with respect to how do you think this thing will play out now? Um, we have a global contraction, I guess. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, do you agree? Globally, China, all the big countries will 
basically be having in a recession, including, I mean, if you can believe China's statistics, I don't know, but are we in for a global recession? I guess that's the yes, question. Yes, yes. And then I mean, how, does that, how does yeah. that play out into a deflationary environment followed by an inflation, or, or how do you think? Well, I think it's 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 crystal clear that the whole world uh, is in is in a recession, and and you know don't get me wrong, a recession is something normal within a cycle. Uh, of course, this time it's 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 extreme, and you know it's it's important to distinguish and 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 to see what makes a depression different than a recession. The depression ushers in many years of secular change in behavior. So recessions don't normally, and this manifest, this is manifest in the approach taken mostly by households. So normally you see that savings rates go up significantly. During the Great Depression, savings rates went from basically zero to as high as 28% long after real GDP bottomed. So if we see that savings rate going up significantly, we can say, okay, this is really changing the behavior and the market sentiment of, of people. From my point of view, um, I think it, it creates enormous opportunities. Um, I think that for now, the deflationary pressure was really fought um, by central banks. Um, and I think that inflation is clearly on the horizon. Che, we should not forget, once we go back to normal life, this money that has been printed, it is, it is, it will still be around. So once velocity picks up, um, I think there will be enormous inflation uh, pressure and actually our proprietary inflation signal just moved to a long inflation signal. So we are playing offense now in the commodity space, in the mining space, commodity currencies. Um, this is what we're, what we're seeing now. And, and actually, inflation is probably the biggest pain trade on the market is, uh, at the moment. And from my point of view, some, something like stagflation might really be uh, an environment that we should pre- prepare for the next couple of years. Well, not a happy time. I'm old enough to remember the uh, stagflation of the 19, late 1970s. Yes. You're not, Ronald, but I was a, a young man then, and that wasn't fun, but I can imagine that what we have coming could be a magnitude worse. I hope not. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, so I guess it's gold and gold shares and, and you say commodities in general, I guess longer term, right? Yes, uh, commodities are probably the most hated asset class. And, you know, with all those fiscal stimulus, infrastructure programs and so on, I really got a hard time uh, expecting copper um, and, and, and most other commodities not doing really well. All right, we'll have to leave it go at that. Ronald, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your thoughts. Very important uh, subject matter, and I hope we can keep up with you and uh, in gold we trust as well. Perhaps have you back on after the next uh, edition of that comes out. Thank you so much for being with us. Absolutely. And, uh, Thank you very much, Jay. All righty. Well, that is it for this week, folks. Uh, next week, Alistair McLeod will be with me to talk about the destructive force of bank credit and other related issues. I'm also hoping to get John Williams on. We're speaking of uh, hyperinflation with John Williams, who's been talking and warning about that for some time. Uh, I hope to have him on with me next week as well. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
Orin Resources is an exploration company defined by its aggressive ambition to find the world's largest mines. Orin has raised over $100 million in this effort and believes it is on to three major discoveries at its projects in Canada and Peru. This year, Orin plans to drill Sombrero, where targets have analogous features to the 10th largest copper mine globally. The company also plans to drill its other substantial base and precious metal opportunities that management believes will be complemented by the strongest bull market in commodities over the last 50 years. Visit AURYNresources.com and subscribe to keep up with the busy year ahead.